Hey, it's Sean Fennessy. We've got something special cooking on the Prestige TV podcast. I'll be recapping one of my favorite shows, HBO's Barry, every Sunday night with the writer, director, star of the show, the great Bill Hader. We'll talk about the show's wild twists and turns, its special brand of dark comedy, and how it all came together. So on Sunday nights, immediately after a new episode airs, you can hear Bill and I break it all down on the Prestige TV pod. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My name is Craig Horlbeck. I'm joined by Danny Kelly and Ben Solak. Danny Heifetz is at a wedding. He's the best man in that wedding. I don't know if you heard, if you are Important a recent listener note, he's the of best this man. show. He's yeah. not he's, missing it for a normal wedding. He's, <laughs> he's, he's the best man. Yeah. Normal <laughs> wedding, it is a screw off, kick rocks. I'm doing a draft podcast. Uh, anyway, day two of the draft is in the books. Rounds two and three are behind us. Another avalanche of trades, ton of trades. Seven Georgia defenders went in the first three rounds, an NFL record. Sheesh. But I think, I think we've got to start here. The QB fall. So Kenny Pickett went 20th to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The next quarterback did not go till pick 74. Uh, Desmond Ritter to Atlanta. Malik Willis fell to pick 86 to the Titans. Jeez. And then the Panthers took Matt Corral at pick 94. DK. Yo. How did it feel to pass on Malik Willis like nine times as Seattle? It was very bizarre because there was like legitimate talk during the pre-draft process of taking him at nine. Like Seahawks fans were debating whether we should just just get it over with, rip that bandit off, take him at nine. They passed up on him, I believe, three times on day two um, today. And, and so like it was it was very bizarre. It was surreal. I, I never really like we've talked about this, the quarterback class, you know, this whole draft period um and we were always a little bit down on them you know for obvious reasons but i don't think anyone expected this like i, I you know I, I in my heart of hearts i did not expect this insane fall um into the third round for all these guys other than Pickett. and so um i think that was just like a huge shock my question for you first off first off the bat craig do you feel like the sealers maybe overplayed their hand a little bit here could they have waited to the second round and still draft a picket Listen, you can always play the what if game, you know. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll never know, but like that was the first thing I was thinking is like, holy shit, like all these quarterbacks are dropping. The Steelers literally could have waited until the third round. I don't know, one. Ben. Do you think Pickett would have been there at 52? 
I, at this point, yes. Like, I would have said no up until pick 74 when Desmond Ritter went. I was like, you know, pick it probably would have been there at 52. By the way, Sam Howell still off, still not drafted. It's going to be the fourth round. I mean, yeah. this is just insane. I uh, I really earnestly believe something happened. Like, I, I don't know if it was just like no team wanted to be the first team to pull the trigger. And like, even after the Steelers did, everybody was still gun shy. Because what what is really earnestly weird is the Baker Mayfield rumors of it all. All of this would be explicable. All of like, all right, the, they just really hate this quarterback class. We got got... They don't like any of the quarterbacks. All of it was talk. All of it was smoke. They hate all the quarterbacks. Except for, I feel like an old-timey detective in a, you know, whatever, like a, <laughs> a you know, BBC series. Except for the fact that, that, like, Baker Mayfield had no trade buzz whatsoever coming into the draft. And then, lo and behold, on day two, Ian Rappaport, every time they tossed him in his little glass cage where he's just floating above a river, I don't really get that, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> he's like, hey, the Panthers trade talks are drumming up. Like, they're really, they're, t- they're calling about Baker. You know, may- the Texans drumming up. Might my- call Baker. Might call Jimmy. Then maybe maybe that's just, I don't know, NFL draft smoke. Maybe that's just, we're just talking about it because we're here. But the whole point of the Baker Mayfield trade market was that it was supposed to be like, all right, whatever team doesn't draft a quarterback right. goes and trades for Baker. No team drafted any quarterbacks and randomly it was like time to trade for Baker. Why? They're all there. All of the players you thought might be there are still there. Like this is, I don't I do not understand what happened. I I have never seen the league be that reticent to take chances on quarterbacks ever. And I would have told you in a million billion years, even if they were patient in round 1, they were going to go in round 2 and they just didn't. And meanwhile, the Panthers were like, hey, what's the Baker situation? Any updates on Baker? Anything new on Mayfield? To me, that may- that is perplexing. Makes no sense. I don't understand it. And then they traded up to take Matt Corral. Yeah. So first of all, this is the longest since the, sec- the, the second QB in a draft uh, has been drafted in the modern draft era. 74th is the longest since 1970 that a quarterback has the second So none of us have been drafted. alive. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about fits for a second here. How do we feel? I'll start with you, DK. Do you like Desmond Ritter to Atlanta? Yeah, I think that one actually makes a ton of sense. He can sit behind Marcus Mariota in year one. Um, you know, stylistically, they've been comp to each other quite a bit. And with his skill set, I think, meshes well with what Arthur Smith wants to do on offense. So my hopes of him turning into a starter in the league have diminished dramatically in the last two days. Because, frankly, you don't see third-round uh, quarterbacks turn into starters very often. Like, as soon as as soon as soon the first round ended, all of these quarterbacks, like, their probabilities of turning into a starter, like, were cut in half, if not more. Like, dramatically, dramatically cut. Um, and so, like, you know, at this point, you have to look at it more like a, you know, they have this developmental guy that they could potentially develop down the line and, and turn into a starter. We'll see, but they'll probably end up just taking someone else or signing a veteran. Like... The odds of any of these guys turning into starters now are really low um, based on the history of the NFL. So while I do really like the the Ritter fit in Atlanta, I my hopes are not high. Same with the Titans and Willis, in fact. I, I really like that fit. I think it makes a lot of sense. Didn't it feel like the Titans were like, fine, we'll take him. Like it passed them so <laughs> many times. Like, fine, we'll take Malik I Willis. Mean, oh, Jeez. Yeah. It really did. And it makes sense because, look, Tannehill is not going to be the long-term answer probably for them. Um, and now Willis has like a no pressure situation to go in there. There's an, out, an established starter for now, and he can go in and, and develop and, and learn that offense and not be like really under a lot of pressure. Uh, Solak had a great 
tweet today during uh, the draft where it was like, Malik Willis, Derrick Henry, and Traylon Burks, like good fucking luck tackling this team. If it, and that's of course if Willis ever starts, but still, like maybe they'll use Willis in the like draft is about or whatever. Having a philosophy, and the Titans' philosophy for years has been: we don't care if you're good at football or not. We don't care what you've done off the field. We don't care what your grades are. We don't care what program you came from, what your production is. None of it. Are you big? Check box. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. Are you big? You are a Tennessee Titan, sir. Young man, come play. If my, Mike Vrabel, if Mike Vrabel feels like if come you hit him, down. it would hurt, yeah. Mike Vrabel will draft you, right? And so Traylon Burks in round one, big, healthy, young wide receiver, all right? Uh, I, I forget who the round two pick was. Malik Willis in round three, though. It was, uh, it was Roger McCreary, and then they took Nicholas Petit Frere, or however you say his okay, name. Little, so br- little McCre- brother? Yeah. Is, that what, is that what that means? Petit Frere? I don't know. I think it means little brother. Yes. Yeah. So Roger McCreary, not a particularly dense dude. That's okay. It's corner. You can only get around around it so well. But Malik Willis is such a clear example of like, this is just like a dense guy. Because he's a tough to tackle dude. Derrick Henry is a tough to tackle dude. Traylon Burks is a tough to tackle dude. All they do is they get body types in the building who are thick, physical, and they generally, like, they don't need to be tall. Like Rashawn Evans, Malik Willis, these are not like tall dudes. Derrick Henry happens to be, but they just want dense, thick men in the building in Tennessee. And I respect <laughs> I like that, that draft philosophy immensely. There's going to be a lot of, this is like the chip on your shoulder quarterback draft. Desmond Ritter looked pissed when he got drafted. He was like about fucking time. He's, and we've talked about this before. He's an intense, he's an intense dude. Uh, it's worth noting that Ritter, Jeremy Fowler, VSPN had this uh, like last month. He said like a team told me that one of the reasons why they were impressed with Ritter is he, he walked in to their meeting with a plan in place to how he was going to unseat a veteran which is intense, right? Like veteran starting quarterbacks, like here's how I'm going to beat him out. Like this is how it's going to go. The veteran in Atlanta is eminently beatable, (laughs) right? And I know this because he was a backup last year. So Marcus Mariota, like Arthur Smith knows him. Arthur Smith also didn't want him running the offense the way he was running it in Tennessee. He wanted Ryan Tannehill. That offense didn't work as well under Mariota as it did under Tannehill, which to Tannehill is my... Ritter comps. There's a lot of interconnectedness here. Um, I agree that being selected in round three makes me feel worse about Ritter's <laughs> potentially starting ability because we don't typically see that in round three. But in terms of in terms of landing spot, in terms of opportunity to win reps, like I don't think the Falcons are going to be good this year. So so long as Ritter doesn't absolutely tank camp, he should have the opportunity to play in year one. Just because they're going to be bad. And so you're going to get a chance to, to maybe start some games. And whether it's late in the season, whether it's middle season, Mariota's been banged up during his career, or whether it's early in the season because you win the job. And getting reps is the absolute number one thing to development. So Ritter landed in a good spot. Willis, it it remains to be seen. Tannehill, like, isn't the problem on offense for the Titans, right? He plays well enough that it's not he's not the sort of guy that that's going to be removed. He's usually a little bit more of an iron man, but that's what Willis needs. As Willis does need more time to like get up to NFL speed. Altogether though, he fits the Titans offensive philosophy well. And then how do we feel about you mentioned that, you know, the draft is all about a philosophy. So let's get to the Carolina Panthers drafting Matt Corral here. How do we feel? <laughs> uh, the the Matt Corral versus Sam Darnold competition. That's going to be a saga just in the electric. I just can't wait for that. So if you had to, if you had to predict which of these three quarterbacks is going to start the most games this season, who is it? Oh, Ritter comfortably. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Ritter then Corral and then a, a Cavern and then Willis. I think that that last game that Tannehill played 
against the Bengals leaves a little bit of a sour taste in our mouth in terms of, of, of his performance. But I still think in terms of a regular season quarterback, uh, especially a guy with such a huge cap hit, he is not so easily unseated uh, as these other guys are. With that said, man, and you know, jokes aside about the Titans, I, I am impressed by the self-awareness of that team because they were the number one seed in the AFC. And anybody who followed the Ringer NFL show or followed my coverage of, of the league this year knows I never <laughs> bought the Titans. The preeminent hater. Yes. I was always just like, this team isn't actually that good, right? They were the number one seed in the AFC, got the first round by, and then they lost in the first round to the eventual AFC champions. It could have been very, very easy for this team to tell themselves that they were a left guard and a secondary pass rusher and a third corner away. And we'll just we're going to pay AJ Brown everything, which like they kind of still should have paid AJ Brown everything, whatever pay AJ Brown, everything draft some immediate starters, make some trade ups in the draft and go try to run this thing back. And let's go uh, win the AFC. So we were the one seed last year, but I think they did a very good job at honestly evaluating their roster and the reality of their season last year. And they said, we're going to kind of reset this a little bit. This is absolutely a bit of a reload here in Tennessee uh, with trading AJ Brown to get Traylon Burks, which is just, objectively getting cheaper uh, and then getting Malik Willis in the third round, which obviously like very cheap for a quarterback, but still these are future pointing moves, right? Even Nicholas Petit Frere to be a developmental left tackle behind Decker who had health problems this year. Like this is, or not Decker, Luan. I can never keep track which one's in Tennessee and which one's in, in, in Detroit. Doesn't matter. Uh, Luan who had health problems this year. So this is a nicely forward pointing draft for Tennessee. And that, that impresses me. I think that takes a lot of maturity in the building to say that. So to me, Willis is, I don't expect to play at all this year to start. Maybe he's like a package guy like Lamar was in year one for the Ravens. Uh, Ritter and Corral have a better chance of unseating their, their veteran quarterback and playing this year. And then Sam Howell, not drafted. Carson Strong, not drafted. Bailey Zappi, not drafted. We'll see what happens tomorrow with that. But let's keep, let's keep on this people who fell theme here. Nicobe Dean, who is a first-round talent, fell to Ben's Eagles. Ben, take it away. Firstly, go birds. And secondly, <laughs> go dogs. Anybody have any further said. questions? Yes. Uh, yes. Nicobe Dean is a shorter and undersized backer, which always is going to introduce some uncertainty into his evaluation. He was a guy who clearly, as we were coming up to the draft, there was some doubt as to whether or not he'd be a first-round player. Lo and behold, he's there in the middle of the third round. As he's falling, uh, Ian Rappaport tells us that the pec injury he sustained was a major pec strain. This was before his pro day. And he elected not to have surgery on it. He had a different procedure that I'm not going to pretend to understand. Uh, Jeremy Fowler says has a pectoral, pectoral injury that teams evaluated, but independent doctors sent letters to teams clearing him and classifying the injury as a pec strain. Sources say Albert Breer said uh, he has a whole litany of injuries that concern teams. He had ankle, foot, shoulder, wrist all during his college career. He had a groin injury as well before his pro day. His knee has wear and tear. There's a lot of medical red flags for N'Kobe Dean. That's the simple reality of it. So typically when that's the case, players either viewed one of two ways. If this is degenerative, then he's like only a first contract player. So he makes really sense for teams who just need him to plug and chug him right now. Or if it's like a cumulative, as this is, it's the chance that he doesn't play well, period. He's just never available, and he's never back to full athleticism. The Eagles have shown they're comfortable drafting those players, right? They drafted Sidney Jones coming off of his Achilles a few years ago. They're comfortable taking that risk, especially when they feel like a really quality player is coming at a discount. If, it, if, if what it takes is a 60-spot drop, multiple injuries, 
for the Eagles to finally draft a first round caliber linebacker. I don't care. I'm fine. We finally have a good one. I've not, I haven't felt good about a linebacker in Philadelphia since Jordan Hicks. Weren't people talking about him being a first round pick for the Eagles potentially? Way, way, way back early in the process. And then it, it kind of became clear Devin Lloyd. Everybody wanted to mock Lloyd to the Eagles. And I was like, guys, they, don't, they will never draft a first-round linebacker. The sun will set in the east. Darkness will come across the face of the land before they draft a first-round backer. Here they have a first-round caliber backer at a huge discount. Whether or not N'Kobe Dean remains healthy, this is a really nice relieving pick for Philadelphia. This is a good pick because... It shows like that they understand that linebacker is a problem. They refuse to address it, which is obstinate and irritating. But this guy, if he hits, won't just be like, oh, he's good enough. This is a legit impact player at linebacker. And getting to play behind Davis, Fletch, and Javon Hargrave, such a beefy interior line to keep a, a smaller linebacker clean, it's going to be really to his benefit. So, fell because of the pec injury and, and, and electing not to get surgery on that. Looks like he may be a little bit of a medical red shirt. But for Philadelphia, that fits the bill. I, I did see, I think Roseman had a presser right after the draft just like a few minutes ago, and he said they're expecting him to be ready for camp. So, like, as far as they're concerned, like, he's healthy-ish. Like, he's healthy enough to come in and play. Like, maybe there are concerns around future injuries piling up. But, yeah, yeah, this one's interesting. And, and this is, again, this is something that always happens every year. There's always a couple guys that are, are viewed as first-round players, first-round talents. Um you know, in some cases, like top 10 talents and they completely just fall, 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 fall. You, you, and you don't really exactly hear why until like usually, you know, the afternoon on day two and people are starting to be like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why is this guy still not picked? Last year, the one that comes to mind is Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa, who was picked by the Browns at 52, but like he was a top 10 player on my board. And lo and behold, like he's been awesome for the Browns. Um, you know, obviously there was uh, medical issues. I, I can't remember if it was the knee or something like that with him. Um, that had him drop down boards. But this one actually reminds me a lot of it because they're similar players. Like, Owusu-Koromoa is a heat-seeking missile. I think he might be a little bit or a lot bit more athletic than Nicobe Dean. But, like, Nicobe Dean plays really fast, and he just flies to the football. And it's important to note the role that Owusu-Koromoa plays is the role that Nicobe will have to play. Nicobe cannot play Mike for the Eagles. Just like they, a, he's like yeah. an overhang defender, like Rover, Correct. like... Guy that's kind of just, uh, you know, right. moving around and coming downhill typically. Yeah, right? if you think about a three receiver set to one side and then one receiver to the opposite side, N'Kobe Dean is going to exist somewhere between that third receiver and the tackle to that side, right? That overhang position. And he's going to float in that area. He's going to buzz to the flat sometimes. Sometimes he's going to buzz to the hook, right? And he's going to like run with that, that seam, right? Sometimes he's going to blitz. Sometimes you're going to, you know, go and, and, and work back to the middle of the field because they're from the other side. That overhang guy can solve a lot of problems for you because Nukobi can be a box safety on one play and he can be a blitzing linebacker on another play. And that's great. He cannot play Mike. Not big not, enough. This is not Darius Leonard because he's just <laughs> not big enough and can't do everything in the same way. But in that overhang role, that Owusu Koromo role, very, very, very nice fit. So there was a lot of teams today that had their first pick. There was, there was eight teams we really didn't discuss yesterday because they didn't have any pick. The Bears, the Broncos, Colts, Browns, Raiders, Niners, Rams, and Dolphins all did not have a first-round pick. And then the Cardinals and Bucks traded out of it yesterday. So out of those eight teams, nine teams, who selected their first player today, who do you think came out on the other side the best? I hate to say it because we do this every year, but it's freaking the Colts, right? We're just... Every year, Ballard drafts well. Like, he just drafts good value against the board. Good players. <laughs> and then inevitably they 
end up like not being able to rush the passer. They don't have actual cover men at corner. Uh, and they have the same problems every single year. And I've, I've complained about them a lot. Um, but talk about organizational philosophy. This team had uh, Michael Pittman at wide receiver. Big guy who can run routes, can, can win the ball uh, over the rim. And then drafted Alec Pierce, wide receiver at Cincinnati in the second round. Ex-volleyball player. Body control and hand-eye coordination up, up at the top, uh, up at the apex of the jump. Ex-volleyball? Uh, you don't hear a lot of volleyball to football guys. Yeah, and, it's and, like Kasicki and this yeah. guy. Right. Yeah. Volleyball is a nice thing to have, right? Because that player understands how to elevate and, and how to work in the air, which is really important to downfield receivers. Uh, so Pierce, that size, and then this team already had Mo Alley Cox, everybody's favorite supersized developmental tight end. And then they drafted Jelani Woods out, out, out of uh, University of Virginia. He used to be a quarterback recruit to Oklahoma State, went to Virginia, switched over to tight end. Uh, raw and sushi. But oh, baby, is he <laughs> big and can move. We need to talk about the fact that Jelani Woods and Mo Ali Cox are literally the two biggest human beings on earth. They're yeah. bigger than Jordan Davis, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they're they're Titans tighter. big. Yeah, these 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 are the pillars of Hercules right here. Uh, <laughs> Dude, and so it's the dream that they're paired up now. Literally the dream. I've been hoping for this. AFC Ian Hardis is, is like a running big motherfuckers. It. That's their whole thing. <laughs> yes. Big, big, big. Also, the Jacksonville Jaguars have four linebackers. It's great. We love to see that. They love the linebackers. Um and then Bernard Raymond and Nick Cross, two players who are, you know, oh, maybe a sneaky top 40 guy. They get both of them in the third round. So it's good value. Uh, they've done a great job developing these tackles that need work. These small school guys, Danny Pinter, they got Braden Smith out of Auburn a few years ago. Raymond is, is in that is in that mold. And then Nick Cross can be a deep safety for them, which is something that they have a little bit of a question mark at. They signed Rodney McLeod. He's a little long in the tooth. Cross can push McLeod for reps if he hits. Uh, so it's a great draft from the Colts all the way through. And obviously... Uh, the first round pick they didn't have because they traded for Carson Wentz, but they have Matt Ryan now in place. And so, once again, the Colts, if they got quarterback right, look like a good playoff team. This is their third Spe year in well, a row doing it. Especially yeah. in the AFC South now, with like, like you said, with the Titans kind of like half rebuilding, and then you have Houston and Jacksonville. This if, seems they, like listen, if the Colts can't win this division, brother, you can't win any division, man. Like at this <laughs> point, you got to put up or shut up. Uh, I, I need the Colts to win something here for me to really, really buy into. Uh, Ballard and Reich, and and this is this is yet again another good Ballard draft. Looks great on paper. We got to see it execute on the field. So let's go. That would be like the clear number one. There's a couple other teams who took players that I'm interested and intrigued by. Um, I don't really understand why the Broncos took another tight end, considering they already have Alberto. But uh, they took Nick Benito, the pass rusher, and uh, Greg Dulcich, who is probably one of my favorite sleeper tight ends in this group. Like he's just he's just explosive down the seam kind of guy. Like really high a dot in college, like really rare high a dot in college, like just a big play creator. So, but I don't really understand the plan when they have Albert O, who's also like basically the exact same type of player. So I don't know, maybe that's just like the future for them. Like maybe it'll take a couple of years to, to get going on that. But Bonito is a really interesting pass rusher for them. So I think that was a great pick. The 49ers are sneaky, kind of fun too. This is like the all sleeper team. Um, they took Drake Jackson, who is one of my oh, favorites. I forgot how much you liked Tyrion Davis-Price. Yeah, I forgot well, he's your guy. Yeah, th so to me, this is like, I, I'm not even saying this was like they knocked it out of the park, but I just think it's an intriguing draft. So the Drake Jackson was my, one of my favorite sleeper pass rushers. He's the kind of guy, He his weight fluctuated a lot in college. I don't know where he'll settle, but I think if he gains weight, he has very natural explosion and bend. And so he could be a guy that they develop if he gets a little bit heavier, I think, in, in playing their defense. And then Ty Davis-Price, surprisingly shockingly like no one was talking about this guy prior to the draft he was kind of like my my little like favorite sleeper like in day little three I was yeah i was expecting cat. him to be like a fifth round pick or something uh but the, the 49ers of course pick him in the third round 
over guys like Isaiah Spiller, Zamir White, uh, Damian Pierce. You know, some of these darlings of like tape tape heads, you know, maybe not tape heads. They, so like, they, I don't think anyone expected Davis Price to go in front of those guys. So no, I think that, that was not. a really interesting pick. You're telling me Kyle Shanahan overdrafting a running back? He's not done well with his third round surprise picks. I'm so I'm hoping this will change the the narrative because in the past we've got uh, Trey Sermon who looks like he'll probably n- never play a snap for the 49ers, and then <laughs> um, who is the other guy? Joe uh, Joe Williams. Joe Williams, not yeah, even on the board. He never played one time. So yeah. hopefully T, uh, uh, Tyron Davis Price yeah. doesn't go down if, this trail. If Price gets three touches in a game, he's exceeding expectations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, this is the other guy that is interesting, Danny Gray from SMU, who, by the way, Solak told me like two weeks ago, hey, this guy's going on day two. Huge hat tip to Solak for kind of planting that seed. I like I like what I saw from him. He's very explosive. He ran like a 4-3 something. Um, he's raw. He, his hands are not very good. He, he, he definitely needs to improve his hands uh, catching technique and kind of just get more comfortable and confident there. But the 49ers love them. Some guys that can run after the catch and, and Danny Gray is that guy. So I think if Debo does end up getting uh, traded, which I don't know what that's going to happen right now, but if he does end up getting traded, like Danny Gray could actually have a pretty big role for this team. So I don't know. This is, I'm not saying that they did a great job. I just am very intrigued by this draft. Like it's, it's guys that I kind of had on my radar as sleepers. So uh, I'll be looking forward to see kind of how that all pans out. You know, who? Uh, you know who Danny Gray reminds me of a little bit, DK? Who's that? You know, he, has, he has some kind of similar traits, too. Can be su- seen in sort of a similar role, too. Uh, Debo Samuel. He's the name that came to my room. I was watching Danny Gray. The we Debo can't, Samuel role, you know what I mean? We can't comp everyone to Debo Samuel, but also maybe we should. Because, I mean, he is, like, ex- incredibly ins- explosive after the catch. Like, that's, like, kind of the thing about him. So, the one team that I think deserves mention here, maybe in, like, not a great light. I, like, I say maybe because I'm not actually really sure. The Chicago Bears roster was really bad. And the reason it was really bad... I wanted is, to bring this up, yes. Yeah, it's because they had, like, not a great GM situation. Sorry, Ryan Pace. Never met you, but just didn't didn't really love the work. Wasn't a super big fan. Uh, over the last few years. So they, they, they got Justin Fields. They traded this year's first-round pick to move up to Justin Fields. It was a great move. Um, and Ryan Poles kind of inherits this roster that's really, really, really gutted, right? He trades Khalil Mack. Let me make it just super clear. Like, we are going to rebuild this thing, right? Like, uh, Akeem Hicks is gone. Eddie Goldman is gone. Like, all of the staples, Allen Robinson, everybody, like, we're cleaning a house. We're starting from scratch. So, yes, they did need a second safety. Jaquan Brisker, second round pick. Who's a good player at Penn State. Like him. They did need another outside corner. Kyler Gordon out of Washington. Good player. Like him. The secondary was probably the strongest part of this roster before day two. And they had no round one pick. Their offensive line is horrible. How many players on their offensive line can you name right now starting? <laughs> two? <laughs> Tevin Three? Jenkins. Yeah. Is Tevin he Jenkins. even healthy? I don't know. Yes. Tevin Jenkins, Cody Whitehair, <laughs> uh, Lucas Patrick is their center. Dakota Dozier's their right guard. Larry Borum is the right tackle. He's a fifth-round pick last Larry year. Larry Borum is their starting right tackle. Their wide receiver room. Any guesses who's who's their starting three receivers right now? It's like, it's Mooney. It's I think they got Byron Pringle. Well, two for three. Yeah, but Pringle got arrested, I think, so that's uncertain. Very true. Not yeah. great. I don't, I, I don't, who's their, who's their third? The best name of any player in the entire Equinamius. league. Equinamius. Equinamius oh, St. Brown, Brown, baby. Our oh, boy. Oh, goodness. Right. So I'm not saying you, you when you are rebuilding this sincerely, you should not be drafting for need. You should be drafting for value. And in Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker, 
they drafted for value, and I I really don't fault Ryan Poles for that. It's just a little bit like, ah, uh, it would have been sick if value was also a guard. You know, like like, <laughs> I, I, like that would have been great. Right. But whatever, anything fine. on offense. Yes, yeah. and then they get to the third round, and they go and they make a pick at receiver. And it's like, all right, they've been drafted for value. Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, some of the best players on the board left when they made those selections. And they draft a receiver, and it's Velas Jones Jr. Velas Jones Jr. He's, is 25 years old. <laughs> oh, no. He's, he's older than freaking Mooney. He's my age. All right. <laughs> he's older I, than Mooney. I started doing this. I started covering the draft in 2018. Okay. And my first responsibilities were to scout the Pac 12. And when I did so, I was evaluating an upcoming underclassman named Velas Jones Jr., who played <laughs> at USC. And then in the five years of my career, Velas Jones has remained in college and continued to play ball. He was at Tennessee as a graduate transfer. He doesn't have great film. He had like a nice senior bowl. He's a good kick returner. A lot of people go to college for seven years, Ben. Yeah. Super, super, super senior. And that's fine, except for when you're then being drafted <laughs> to be an athlete. It's usually better when you're not They're 25. Doctors. Yeah. He, he is older than Darnell Mooney, straight up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not the vibe, man. So, like, all right, you did such a good job drafting for value. You're taking this rebuild long. That's going to suck for Justin Fields a little bit. He has to play behind this bad line again. He has to play with these bad receivers again. But whatever. Like, I get it. You're being responsible. And then you go and you draft a receiver, and the best guy on your board was Velas Jones Jr.? And there were a lot of guys on the board. When we should get into that. We should get into the day two wide receivers. Is he even going to be a receiver? Or is he? Did they draft him to be a returner? If they drafted a return man like a in the top eighty, returner? come on, with their quarterback having no help, I'm gonna be a sad boy. Yeah, he's explosive, but that's about it. Like twenty five year old, the history of twenty five year old seven year uh, college players is probably not very good. <laughs> uh, he's smarter though. Took a lot of classes. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. So I'm going to go through the wide receivers. A lot of wide receivers went rounds two and three, and I want you to tell me, I'm going to split it up into two halves. We'll we'll stop after the Steelers pick, and then we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll finish the second half later. So the Packers... 
traded up. They traded the 53rd and 59th, come up to 35. They grabbed Christian Watson, big boy, mm. 6'4". Mm. Uh, and then I'll, I'll continue here. The Giants, Wandale Robinson, the Texans, John Mechie III. Both mm -hmm. those players are guys I had never heard of. Uh, the Patriots <laughs> took Tyquan Thornton, another yeah. guy I've never heard of. And then the Steelers took George Pickens. Yeah. So out of the five of those guys I named, uh, biggest win, biggest loss? Uh, I would say... The one that I'm most intrigued with is George Pickens in Pittsburgh. Yeah, buddy. George Pickens. So he was, I think, <laughs> not widely, but like a lot of people would probably believe he was like a top five talent at, at receiver. He's a former five-star guy. Blew it up as a freshman at Georgia, but then he tore his ACL in 2020. Uh, I like that, by the way. Get it out of the way. You got to get the ACL out of the way. Yeah, Everyone's going to do it. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. doing it. So, uh, But then he didn't come back to like late in the season last year. He did make a couple big plays, but basically didn't have a lot of tape over the last two years. There are apparently, this is what we heard um, over the last few days, is that their teams have been kind of like in, investigating some background, like off-field stuff, like immaturity. I, I don't think there was anything criminal, but like just, you know, he, he maybe is not like the most mature guy or whatever. That was. I like mean, so, he once had a full fist fight with a Georgia Tech player on the field. So that yeah, and like, part infer. of the reason you like him is because he's like, you know, pushing down a DB and then staring at the bench. And you know that like, meme where there's the one guy happily looking out the bus window and then the other side, there's the sad guy on the bus. Got some dog right? in him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, he's got some dog in him, but it's both sides for George yeah. Pickens. Like, oh, he's got some dog in him. He's also got some dog in him. And that's the thing about George Pickens. Steelers also, I mean, Steelers have done a good job of handling, you know, perhaps sometimes uncooperative personalities. Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, they took in, uh, Martavis Bryant Martavis yeah. Bryant um, the they made second they made the Pickens pick I was like shoot it's Martavis Bryant again because the play style is similar it really is like, he can be that sort of a, a field stretcher and now Pittsburgh's got this core of, of Claypool Deontay and Pickens they got Fryermuth. they have Najee Harris and now Kenny Pickett uh, a strong young core which I am excited about hopefully if Kenny Pickett sucks there's no reason other than it's it's on you big dog right well, the offensive line's not great, but yeah. It's not great. They made some improvements. But you're right. It's not great, but still, I mean. You mentioned Claypool, the other guy that I think is worth mentioning here. Well, I, I'd like to talk about all these guys, frankly. The Christian Watson reminded me of a skinnier version of uh, Claypool coming out. Basically, like, super, super athletic. Like, explosive guy. Is this the guy you envision the Packers taking with their first wide receiver off the board? Um... There was a lot of people connecting Watson to the Packers in the first round. Like I, I think more, it, more so, it was like Traylon Burks was kind of like a, a very popular Packers one, Chris Olave. But both of those guys went off the board way earlier than expected, or maybe not way earlier. To but me, like, this they went this was yeah, this was like the butt of the joke, right? Where it would be like, yo, this first six receiver is going to go in like the top twenty picks, and the Packers are going to be stuck drafting Christian Watson in the first round, <laughs> yeah. in the sense that like it's not unreasonable and it's not terrible, but like it's going to happen. And lo and behold, they didn't do it in the first round. They did it at the top of the second. He's they just traded he, up. Yeah. Yeah. He is a, he's an inconsistent player. He was an incon, he's, he's got really nice flashes, but he was an inconsistent player at the FCS level. He's going to be, have a high demand, high volume in the NFL level tomorrow. It's a scary thing. It's a big jump. If you guys had to guess, is he going to be the number one fantasy football wide receiver for the Packers this year? No. Lazard. Wow. Yeah. Is he going to be the second? We count in tight ends. Uh, yeah, sure. Tanyan will probably yeah. be like the. I would say I would say it goes Lazard, Tanyan, <laughs> and Watson, especially because like both Lazard and Tanyan are such good tight end producers. He says, knowing how fantasy football works. <laughs> uh, so Christian Watson, I think he's an intriguing one, but there's a, a wide 
range, I think, of outcomes for year one, particularly. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he develops into a really good player, but it may take a minute. The Wandale Robinson pick was maybe one of the more intriguing picks of the second round period because, number to one, no one, ex- no one to the Giants, at, uh, I don't know what number it was. It was pretty early. Matter. Um, Earlier the than pick, Tutu Atwell went. Yeah, this is the this is the Tutu Atwell slash Dwayne Eskridge pick of the second round this year. Has that ever worked? Has the little quick guy who's like 5'7 ever worked? Um, I don't know. I don't Tavon know. Austin, yeah. like, does it ever Marquise work? Marquise Brown, maybe. So there's Can actually really, there's actually a really like in-depth and interesting explanation to this. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Never once. What are they thinking here? I, like, honestly, like, tr- so, so, like, just play devil's advocate and try to tell me on the reason they did this pick because I, I, I was like, number, number one, I was surprised how high he went. And number two, I was very surprised some of the receivers he went above. I also, do they need a wide receiver? Like, is that really something so you need to grab? So it's the Kadarius Tony thing, right? It's like, oh, Kadarius Tony was really fast. So's Wondell <laughs> Robinson. Um, and uh, Joe Shane, who's their general manager now. Obviously, he and Brian Dable both came from Buffalo where they had Isaiah McKenzie. Mm-hmm. And they were like, man, he really, he's got a little Isaiah McKenzie to him. And it's like, oh, you mean that player that you like occasionally used as a gadget late in the season? That's who, who he's got to him right now? Your top 50 pick? That's, Who blew up when all of your other wide receivers were hurt during the yeah. season? Yeah, you remember how you like fell bass backwards into using Isaiah McKenzie when Cole Beasley wasn't available? That's who this is, right? And then he was also like, oh, and also Deion Branch. It's like, all right, we well, can't do that. That's like Isaiah McKenzie and Deion Branch. Somewhere between those two <laughs> is where we expect to use Wondell Robinson. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I, I, I really struggle to devil's advocate that. I, to me, like I literally, I, I said on Twitter, like you, they watched the Rams draft you to Owl in the second round never use him and they're like we got to get us some of that baby that's 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 good cooking uh, i think the so, the bull perfect. case the bull case for robinson is that they see him as and this is not saying a lot obviously but they see him as like a jd mckissick style player where you know he's a college receiver but he also played running back for nebraska early in his career um so he's kind of got that versatile uh dual threat style like skill set where he literally could line up in the backfield and run it like he has experience doing that. He's small, but he can do it. Um so I, I that's kind of like how I see them envisioning what he can do like slot receiver slash running back slash kind of dynamic gadget guy but like that's not a sec- that's not an early second round pick. That's what you do in like the 5th round. Um so I thought that was a head scratcher and you know, I'm not like even a, I like Robinson, like fine, but like, I, I just think he like, like early, especially ahead of some of these guys that got taken later, Sky Moore, George Pickens, um, Mechie, uh, you know, Jalen Tolbert, like even Danny Gray, like I probably rather have Danny Gray at this point. Like that's the kind of the one that made me really scratch my head, but uh, I'll be very interested to see how they decide to use him though. The Giants have, I'm looking at their wide receiver group right now. I think they have I could be wrong, but I think I'm close. I think they have five wide receivers, excluding obviously Wandale Robinson, who have had over 180 yards in a game. Galladay, Tony, Slayton, Shep. I th- I think Shepard has had really big games like that, and there's one other really secret one. I say it's Ross or Pettis, right? Uh, no, they don't have Pettis anymore. Hmm. Okay, don't tell me. I'm going to think about it more during the podcast. And then do you I'm want the team he was randomly. on when he did it? No. Okay. All right. I will do me do me a think. Okay, so let's keep going here. I want to talk about the Patriots. We've got to talk. Every time the Patriots draft wide receiver, we've got to talk about it. So they drafted <laughs> this Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor. Is yes. this finally going to break up the streak of crappy Patriots wide receivers? <laughs> no. Nah. 
Yeah. So here's the, he was supposed to be like a fourth round pick probably, or like a, a late third, because you don't really see receivers that run four two go in anything later than the fourth round, third round. Um, so like, I think third round was sort of his floor. So he was maybe going to go higher than people were expecting, but um, you know, he, I think he's actually kind of intriguing. I don't think he, I think he went way too high, but I think he is kind of an intriguing player. Like, um, you know, he's got the explosive the explosiveness. He's got that speed. He runs away from guys. I, I think he's he plays bigger than his size because he's really, really skinny. Yeah, I mean, like guys this size typically don't work out and like the Patriots don't have a strong track record. But I do think it's in- intriguing because he has that 4-2 four, four speed and can kind of like bring that element to their offense. I'm fine saying he plays bigger than his size. I would shy from implying that he plays to a sufficient size of the league, <laughs> right? Like he yeah. might play bigger than his size, but also you don't, you don't, you don't really love contact too much. Uh, sure. that, that's that's a difficult part of his game. It's nice to see them really prioritize the speed element. I don't know if they have the quarterback for that. And I don't know if Thornton is ready in year one to be that right now, right? Usually you see this sort of a body type and a role going like round four, five, six. John Hightower, Jamon Moore, you know, Quez Watkins, Quez that Watkins. sort of type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and this is this is two rounds early. And I think they might they might thrust him into a role he's not ready for right away, which worries me. Let's keep plowing through the, the second half of these receivers. So the Colts took Alec Pierce. The Chiefs took Sky Moore. The Bears, Velas Jones Jr. recovered him. The Cowboys took Jalen Tolbert. The Browns took David Bell. And the Niners took Danny Gray, which we've also covered. Uh, what is your favorite fit here? I, I, I would guess that it's Sky Moore to the Chiefs. That's a really fun one. Yeah. Yeah, he's a uh, inside-out guy. I'm guessing they'll probably play him in the slot a lot. He's like really quick off the line, good release off the line, great hands, um, some yards after the catchability. He's kind of exactly what they need. On he, he's like a miniature version of Juju, but a little bit more juice, I think. Um, and so, you know, if they're trying to get, they're trying to improve their offense and evolve their offense to not be so reliant on like deep over the top passing, which of course they got MVS. And so he can do that element. But like, he, I think Sky Moore will, will, will be the guy that like gets peppered with targets over the short and intermediate area and kind of like pick up yards after the catch, things like that. So I like the fit and I like the player. It makes a lot of sense. There's people connecting them in the first round. So that uh, get him, them getting him the 22nd pick of the second round is pretty good value. I think. Hmm. I uh, I love Sky Moore. I do want to give a, a shout out to David Bell Purdue going to the Browns there at the end of the third round. Browns don't have Jarvis Landry anymore. Uh, they go and they grab Amari Cooper. Presumably Donovan Peoples-Jones remains wide receiver too. We obviously saw some really nice flashes from him last year. We all saw inconsistency. Bad drops on third down in critical situations. They have Anthony Schwartz, right? Third round pick from last year. Track start of Auburn, field stretcher. But again, not, not a consistent stick mover at receiver. Shaquem Grant. Like, the way right, Jakeem Grant, not not possession receivers. Talk about possession receivers on third and five. Go get me a bucket. The prototype of which is Jarvis Landry. Tough, reliable hands, good routes. David Bell, baby. Uh, it's hard for a rookie to step right into that role because it's so about about details, so much about consistency. But that David Bell does that really quite well. David Bell is a nuanced, impressive veteran player who I think can become a very good friend of Deshaun Watson's on passing downs early, where there is a vacuum for like actual wide receiver too. Peoples Jones and Schwartz and Jakeem Grant kind of like illustrate a fun wide receiver too of like, you know, Kevin Stefanski wants to be a heavy 13 personnel, heavy 12 personnel. Let's get some shot plays going. And Cooper's a really, really good stick mover on third down too. But when you're in third and eight and there's no more, let's put three tight ends on the field. David Bell, I think is going to be able to get on the field and be an important player. Uh, I like that, that, that fit a lot as a discount Jarvis Landry to, to protect yourself a little bit from losing that player. It wasn't explosive, but was valuable. Just a ball player. It's, Football playing Jesse. 
So let's get to running backs. Some running backs were finally drafted. The Jets traded up to take Brees Hall, oh, first man. running back taken. The Seahawks took Kenneth Walker the third. I guess they just don't remember that they had the best running back in the league the final five weeks <laughs> of the season. Uh, the yeah. Bills took Dalvin Cook's brother, James Cook. The, uh -huh. the Bucks took Rashad White. Commanders took Brian Robinson's Jr. And the Niners took Tyrion Price, which we discussed. Let's start with Hall and Kenneth Walker and their fits. DK, what were your thoughts? So the Hall one makes a lot of sense. Dude, the Jets are just absolutely loading up on offensive talent to surround Zach Wilson. They want to make everything as humanly possibly easy for Zach Wilson, which is actually a very good uh, idea. It's like a good plan. Um, hopefully, Zach Wilson can kind of step up to the plate and, and play a little bit better this year. But I think, you know, the idea of surrounding him with a lot more talent, they got Garrett Wilson in the first round, traded up for Brees Hall. Last year, they had Elijah Moore, uh, Michael Carter. So they've got two good receivers, two good running backs in the last two years, plus Corey Davis, I, I think is still a good like possession style receiver when he's healthy. Um, they went and got Jeremy Rucker. Jeremy Rucker, baby. Good Another little tight, tight like end. A, a good tight end. So like they're just absolutely loading up on talent around Zach Wilson, which I think is the right plan. Brees Hall was the number one running back in my mind coming in, and he was the first running back to go. Um, yeah, they're just going to do their thing where they're going to try and be balanced. They're going to run the ball, play action, things like that. Like, it makes a lot of sense. As for the Seahawks, man, like, this is the most, you know, like last, yesterday, we were, we were all excited or I was all excited because the Seahawks went completely off brand and, like, took a tackle and, like, you know, whatever. They're back. They're back. This is the most on-brand day I've ever seen for the Seahawks. They First, they picked an old, small school, well-ish, small-ish school, Minnesota, uh, linebacker slash uh, pass rusher. That was like a senior bowl standout. So old, small school, senior bowl standout. The trifecta, the Seahawks trifecta. Um, and then they drafted a running back, you know. So like, I actually, and I know that Ben doesn't like uh, Boye Mafe, the, the pass rusher they, t they picked. I actually liked him. I had him like 50 something in, on my ranks. I think he's got a lot of uh, traits that you look for as like a second round pass rusher. He's going to have to develop. He's going to have to get better. But he did remind me of Daryl Taylor, who the Seahawks have on their on their roster already. And then Kenneth Walker, like I'm not, I'm kind of just like done trying to fight like what the Seahawks are believing in. You know what I mean? Like what like what's the point at this point of like continuing to like rail on them for just loving receiver like loving running backs? Three years just, ago they drafted a running back in the first round. It's a complete failure. And then <laughs> they come right back and yeah. get somebody what ninth why, in the second round? Yeah. That's why you got to go and get the next guy, right? Because, you know, Penny was a miss, despite the fact that you just saw the best play of him you've ever seen in three years. <laughs> got to go get another guy. Doesn't matter who's been carrying the ball in between and how good he's been. That's not important. Let me play the devil's advocate for the for the Seahawks in this case. And, and I'm just going to stay right ahead. Like, I'm actually excited to watch him play. Like, he's a really fun player. Sure. He's a fun ass running back. Like, that's kind of exciting. The value isn't great. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they have a lot of other holes in their roster. I would have probably rather they picked, you know, I don't know, a receiver or defensive end or whatever, you know, but like at the end of the day, I think the way that the Seahawks want to play and the way that they're very determined to play apparently is, um, you know, very balanced, run the ball, like be able to beat you up on the ground. Um, when Rashad Penny was at his best last year, like down the stretch, he was the best running back in football, like frankly. Um, and a big part of the reason was he was creating uh, explosive plays like nobody's business. If if the Seahawks are wanting to play and absolutely adamant they want to play that way, being able to create explosive plays on the ground is absolutely critical. You can't just have three yards, four yards, two yards, three yards, one yard, and expect to like have an efficient offense. Um, so like the ability to create uh, explosive plays on the ground is huge. Rashad Penny, he's 26 years old. He's been injured his almost entire career. 
obviously they hope he pans out and like outplays his contract, but he's on a one-year deal. It doesn't look like Chris Carson has, Chris Carson might never play football again. So if they're looking and they need to create offensive, like explosive plays on the ground, like this is the best running back on the board at the time. It actually does make a little bit of sense. There isn't really other uh, highly, highly explosive running backs in this class in that ilk or in that, uh, at that talent level. So um, that's kind of like my devil's advocate defense of the Seahawks in this, in this draft. And I've, I'm also just like tired. I don't want to defend. I don't want to have to like fight against like upstream against the Seahawks anymore. What's the point? Might as well just going to go happy. with the flow. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be excited to watch Kenneth Walker because he's a really fun runner and that's it. They, they also, by the way, they took two tackles. I think are pretty good. They take Abe Lucas in the third round. Um, and ironically, both Abe Lucas and Charles Cross are like air raid tackles that are like less yeah. experienced. As Got runners. a pass block for Drew Locke, baby. We're opening this thing up. So the football they kind of talked out of the both sides of their mouth. They got pass blocking tackles so they can pass, and then they got a running back so they can run. So, yeah. you know, I actually don't hate the Seahawks draft. I'm this is why good it. player, bad player is such an important construction. Because when you're <laughs> when, when you're done with positional value, which is for the nerds, yeah. it sucks. And when you're done with team building and planning and premium positions, yada, whatever, you just go, man, Kenneth Walker, school ball player. Yeah. <laughs> Previously, my team did not have the good ball player. Now they do. Objectively, a good Thank thing you. happened because plus one good ball players occurred. This is what, Ben, this is exactly, this is what I told the, the Seahawks group chat. Uh, yeah. when when because everyone was freaking out immediately. Like, God, like what the hell? You know, this is such Seahawks on brand. And Twitter was just like having a field day with this. Of it course. was pretty funny. Um, but I was just like, you know what? I this last year the Seahawks took a running back, or sorry, they, they took a receiver in the second round. And I like the Kenneth Walker pick infinitely more than I like the Dwayne Eskridge pick. Like infinitely. How about more. it? Uh I don't care about I mean, I, I understand that the that receivers are more valuable, but like I think Kenneth Walker is a far better player, put it that way. And that's exactly what that Ben is saying. Like, he's a very good player, and he's on the Seahawks now. So, like, that's good. <laughs> that's kind of how I yes, look at it. Yes, in a binary sense, he is good, not bad. <laughs> Get good, good player on Seahawks, turn brain off. <laughs> it's the best way to consume the draft. Well, much like there are good players and bad players, there are good draft announcers and bad draft announcers. Oh, my um, God. Wow. Dude, we got to take a breather here and talk about this this dude, Ed, Ed Marinaro. I, I don't even know if that's how you say his name. Ed Marinaro. Ed. This, no one's ever looked and sounded more like an Ed Marinaro. <laughs> Marinaro sauce. I don't know what his nickname is, what but it should be that. What the hell was that? DK wrote on the dog, the boomers must be stopped. <laughs> he came out here and did a stand-up set for like, Four minutes. He like straight up leaned on the on the like the lectern. He was like hitting on the crowd. Yeah. So uh, he was about he was about to do yeah the what stand guys, comedian what, thing right where you, you start doing? talking to the crowd just looking for material. Like what do you do? You're a plumber. Yeah, he was wow, like, making fun of people in the front from the front row or whatever. It's like Jesus Christ, dude. What is he doing up there? <laughs> and not only that, a woman who works for the NFL comes out like <laughs> right like taps him and is like, hey, read the goddamn card. Read the damn card, <laughs> Warren Beatty. Read the card, <laughs> Warren Beatty. He's rambling. <laughs> Tell him to read the card. My wife is not a football fan at all. Never has been. Didn't grow up in a football family. Just not a fan. 
she used to work as the as the producer in a local news station, right? So she was like that woman on that headset <laughs> in Wrap the station, up. right? And like spent her entire day creating a schedule, like to the tenth of a second of 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 choreo- choreographed tosses and throws and commercials and whatever. And then she would get you know some gas bag anchor on and be like, "You got to move!" Like here we go. Like so she the draft to her, she's like, "Oh, Trayvon Walker went one. That's nice. He seems like a nice young man. Like she's nothing, right?" She has never been more locked into the draft than when uh, that woman came out <laughs> to tell him to read the pick. She was like, exactly. This is what needs She was so, she was up out of her chair. Yes, this is it. I'm up out of my chair for Nicobe <laughs> Dean. She was up out of that chair for that NFL network production <laughs> leader, assistant manager, whoever it was. So we all got something out of the draft today in the Solak household. It was a beautiful thing. I couldn't believe it. I had secondhand embarrassment. It was like watching Michael Scott oh, tell a joke yes. in the office. I was <laughs> like, what Scott. is this guy doing? <laughs> I think so, I, I will never forget that. I will literally never. For, that was like maybe an all-time draft moment. I me. have a pet theory. <laughs> he was a plant from the league. <laughs> and here's why. Every subsequent guest announcer usually does one to two dumb things that waste time. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. You know what I mean? Like which yeah. John Dorenbos did do. I have, after that guy, it was the most efficient guest announcing picks day two I've ever seen because everybody was deathly terrified that's because that woman was like hey yes. look at me in the eyes yes. you read the card and get off stage yes. I will lump you in I with that man you. in a heartbeat you will be remembered with Ed Molinaro if you do anything that makes me walk out onto that stage the only person who was immune was Kyle Brandt because he's Kyle Brandt everybody yeah. else was like Hello, go Vegas. I love the, 70, the the 49ers with the 85th pick. Get me off this stage. They just wanted to leave. They were so ready to be done. So league plant and a smart one at that. Well, the weird thing was it was like, so Kyle Brandt went up and, and had this whole spiel. It was like he was like a wrestler or something, you know? And so it was like that looked planned and scripted. Ed Marinaro, he just went up there. They were like, hey, can you stall for just three minutes? <laughs> It's like no problem. He's like, I don't have any pre- I don't have any material. He went up there and it was like he had no plan. He just started talking at the crowd. He's like, like he was ah, starting up like, a conversation at the grocery store. He's like, I got drafted by the Vikings. <laughs> that was the second to last team I wanted to get drafted by. What the fuck, dude? Number one, Packers. <laughs> and he's like, any Packers fans out there? Waited like 10 seconds. <laughs> he's filibustering the draft. It was like the most unbelievable thing. I can't even. So I looked him up. So he's 72 years old. He played in the NFL for four <laughs> years, five, five years. Um, he was. He then is, became an actor and was the head coach in the show Blue Mountain State. And he was also in Hill Street Blues. He was that guy. <laughs> he was head coach of Blue Mountain State guy. He, Holy yeah. shit! He played for the Seahawks. He did oh, well man. for like a year. Yeah, dude. That's imagine he was announcing the Seahawks pick at forty. <laughs> we oh, all are word. positive it's Malik Willis, and he's just up there for an hour. <laughs> that was the. F- oh my god! I'm still just. That was the funniest shit I've ever seen. So Ed Marinaro is going down. <laughs> Don't have that guy show up to a party because he'll I, never I leave. I googled it. Like the the YouTube vid, the vi- the YouTube video of him doing it is over two minutes long. <laughs> just sitting up at the at the podium. Two minutes thirty talking. is the number I saw. Two minute thirty of him just. I would love to be that woman, the manager woman. And I, somebody was probably in her ear like, okay, do we have to go out there? This has never happened before. It's not even close to being done. Uh, okay. <laughs> we don't see light at the end of this tunnel. 
When she was like, hey, wrap it up. He's like, oh, she's telling me I got to announce the pick. He kind of kept going for <laughs> he, like another 30 minutes. He, he 30 waved seconds. her off. She like pointed to the car and he was like, bah. <laughs> oh <my laughs> nah, God. I don't need to know about it. I know how this works. People in their 70s and all, dude, they just don't give a shit. They'll do whatever they want. <laughs> the boomers must be stopped, Craig. <laughs> boomers. Totally. Okay. Uh, moving on to, you know who else should be stopped? The Ravens front office. Seriously. You know the meme of Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad that everybody posted? It's like, he can't keep getting away with this. Right. I just I just always remember like playing video games, watching streamers where they're like, man, this gun's OP. It needs to be nerfed. Raven's got to be nerfed, man. This is OP. You can't you can't just keep doing this. You're ruining the game, ruining the sport. It is so funny that every single team is like, wow, who's our best player left? Velas Jones? I think Velas Jones is our best player. This is probably good, right? The 25-year-old receiver you can't catch. This is probably good. And then the Ravens get on the board and they're like, okay, who's actually the best player left? Who's yeah. who's instead of like all the other things everybody was thinking, who's actually still good? Like, oh, Travis Jones could have been a first round pick. Why not him in the third round? Craig, do you know tennis? I I think I'm gonna completely butcher this an- analogy, but like I feel like the the Ravens are the Roger Federer of, of football because basically Roger Federer is just like I'm so good I can just sit here and like return until the until my opponent fucks up kind of deal. He's just like so like. Confident, cool, like he doesn't we'll mess let up. you make a mistake. Yeah. yeah, literally just like, I'm just going to go out here and, and hit the ball back to you and you're going to fuck it up. <laughs> like, this is what the Ravens are as drafters. They basically are like, okay, everyone else, you guys can all like freak out, stress out, screw up your pick, reach for guys, blah, blah, blah. And we'll just sit back here and take really good freaking players. So to run down their draft so far, it's like, I, it's actually just absurd to read who they've drafted <laughs> so far based on like the pre-draft rankings and, and and the mock draft, everything. They had Kyle Hamilton in the first, Tyler Linderbaum in the first. Like, unequivocally, the two best players at their position based on, like, pre-draft rankings. So they got the best safety in the draft. They got the best center in the draft. And then they took David and Jabba out of Michigan. Is he, if he didn't, he tore his Achilles earlier in the year. If he didn't tear his Achilles, would he have been the best linebacker He in would the have draft? been, like, a top 15 pick, probably. Uh, and so they got those three guys. And then, so the Eagles jumped above the Ravens in the first round to grab uh, Jordan Davis, which is obviously great for Ben and content and all that stuff. There was a lot of indications thinking that the Ravens were going to take him. So instead of like worrying too much about that, they just sat there and took a couple of really good players. And then by the way, got arbitrage version, like the, the discount version of Jordan Davis. I'm not saying he's as good as Jordan Davis, but like stylistically similar Travis Jones from UConn, who is like this, you know, six foot four, 330 pound guy who ran, incredibly fast, like one of the most impressive athletes in this combine, in this draft. Um, so they get the arbitrage version of Jordan Davis. Like they, the, the Ravens are just absolutely knocking it out of the park. And they, it's just like, they didn't even break a sweat. It felt like. How do they keep getting away with this? <laughs> How do they keep getting away with it? Eric DaCosta, baby. Right. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids games, It's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. All right, so as we wind down here, I wanted to flick at the tight ends. Some tight ends went, no tight end went in the first round. We had Trey McBride go to the Cardinals, Jelani Woods to the Colts. We've kind of mentioned them. 
I mentioned him. Greg Dulcich, we mentioned to the Broncos, and then Jeremy Ruckert to the Jets. Um, Trey McBride to the Cardinals is interesting because the Cardinals have been a wasteland at tight end for as long as I can remember. Um, do you think this is a good fit? And is this the tight end who's going to be the most fantasy relevant this year? Not this year. My first reaction was like, why are the Cardinals taking Trey McBride? They just re-signed Zach Ertz to like a new multi-year contract. Um, but then I kind of thought about it more and I was just like, look, tight ends in general typically take several years to like develop into like a good player, a, a productive player. Like you may see uh, McBride come in and, and play a small role. You know, I could be completely wrong and he has like a huge role, but this is generally how it happens with, with tight ends. It's like, it's a slow starting position. You have to learn the offense. You have to learn how to block and receive and, and play as a receiver. Um, so my guess is he probably won't be like a superstar in year one, but like down the line, once Ertz is gone, because Ertz is 30 something years old, 31 years old, he's not gonna be around forever. I think this 32. was like a long, a long looking move for them, like a long term move. He's the best. He was probably considered the best tight end in this class. Like it was close between him and Dulcich between a lot of people. You know, he's a guy who had over a thousand yards last year, like big time receiver. It makes a lot of sense for them. Like we saw what Max Williams was able to do for like short stints. And then, of course, they traded for uh, Ertz last year and he was productive. Yeah, they're just like loading up around uh, Kyler Murray right now. Obviously, they traded for uh, Marquise Brown yesterday and now they get McBride. You know, they've got Hopkins already. They've got uh, A.J. Green on the outside. So, you know, like they're they're just doing the same thing. Basically, the Jets are doing like trying to make life as easy as possible for Kyler Murray. And, and I like it, actually. So, yeah, it did. Make, it didn't make a lot of sense to me at first. But then I think it's just a long term move. So here's the thing. Long term move. Preparing yourself for the decline of your 31 upcoming 32 year old tight end. Good. Signing said 31, 32-year-old tight end to a three-year $31.5 million deal two months ago. Yeah. I'm not, not and, and also, lest we forget, signed Max Williams back as well. So oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And and this ain't no 12 personnel, you know, Doug Peterson, Frank Wright team. There's no 13 personnel Kevin Stefanski team. This team lived in 10 personnel last year. That is no tight ends. They currently have like three that they clearly feel comfortable paying slash playing slash drafting. So either they are philosophically going to change who gets on the field for them, which I would not hate at all if they spent more time with the tight end in line, more time with two tight ends on the field. McBride can absolutely and probably should be more of a flex player. Like there's a way this works, but it requires changing the way they line up a little bit, uh, which I would like to see, but I, I'll believe it exactly when I see it and not a moment beforehand. So weird, surprising pick. I would not have had... Uh, Cardinals drafting tight end with their first pick on my bingo right. card, even right. a little bit. Cardinals continue to just be a very weird franchise. Uh, okay, <laughs> to finish up here, which teams or team, if it's just one in your opinion, won today's draft? We'll start with Ben. Falcons. I think I had quite a good Ooh, draft. Uh, wow. Okay. I don't love... So, obviously, like, I'm a big Ritter guy, and they got Ritter in the third round, and I think Ritter is a, is a player who can stick for them and a player who can matter. They also got Arnold Abicady, the pass rusher out of, out of Penn State, uh, in the middle of the second round. If after those first four edges went, right, where it was the, the big three at the top of the draft, George Karloftis uh, was fourth for me, and then, obviously, Jermaine Johnson, as well, is a really good player. Uh, if there was another edge that you were going to make me draft in the first round, it would have been Epicady. Uh, so I like the the fact that they made that pick a lot. They're clearly prioritizing athleticism and also developmental athleticism because they took Troy Anderson. And Troy Anderson, do not get it twisted, linebacker out of Montana State, is not a good football player right now. He was playing <laughs> quarterback and tight end a couple years ago, right? He did not, 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 does not yet know how to play linebacker. But 
in this in the same if I can't argue in one breath you know, you got to draft Jordan Davis because you don't get an opportunity to draft Jordan Davis every year. And then in the next breath, say we should not draft the six foot four, 245 pound, four, four, 40 yard dash running linebacker. You can get him at, uh, yeah, you get him at, at what they were, they picked him, I want to say, like outside the top 50. It's a good swing, in my opinion, for a young, it's early, but it's a good swing for a young team that ain't winning anytime soon. Then they get Ritter and then D'Angelo Malone, really productive edge rusher out of Western Kentucky, who's also a little bit of like a, uh, uh, off ball Sam situational pass rusher, kind of a hybrid player. Again, not like my favorite player in the world, but good for the value. And he's a versatile guy, right? He and Anderson both represent investments in the second level of the defense that desperately needs it, especially having lost Foyer Luacon this year in free agency. So, Falcons, good job on round two. Team speed is kind of it's like a thing that we talk about, and it's it's sort of amorphous because you don't you're not always having the same players on the field at the same time, but like. Um, Josh Norris likes to say something. If you have slow linebacker, you have slow defense. And so I think that Anderson, like, like Solak said is, is raw. Like I compared him actually to, uh, to like if Cordero Patterson played linebacker, like he is so <laughs> like, he is a versatile, like freak athlete who just plug him into your lineup and, and let him do stuff until he learns how to be like a more refined and, and nuanced player. This guy this guy is like the the he has a crazy story backstory like he's like the biggest type A person I've ever seen in my life. He was all state at quarterback and safety in high school and led them to a state title. He won state titles in the hundred and two hundred meters twice, both his junior and senior season. He was this high school valedictorian. He went to Montana State, started as a running back and a linebacker. He was like the like top one of their top two or three guys in career like yards and touchdowns as a running back. Then they asked him to switch to defense. He did that. Um, he was like uh, first team FCS All American. So, like he was just incredible. Like the high, like the high achiever of high achievers for everything that he's done throughout his whole career. And I think that's what they're betting on is that this guy works his ass off. He's an elite athlete. Has really good length. Um, when I watched the tape, frankly, it was like this guy's not very good at this yet. But like, because he was like, he's not good at taking on blocks. He comes in too high. He doesn't. He takes the cheese on stuff and like runs in the wrong direction. Like he's clearly still learning how to play the position. But this is the type of athlete that you bet on. So I actually really like that pick, um, just because it's exciting and and he has that potential to turn into something so much better down the line. Be a better pro than he was a college player. Um, the team I was going to talk about was the Chiefs. Who yeah, I think that was the other team that was on my mind. Quietly knocked it out of the park on both day one and two. We're sticking to day two. So Sky Moore was their first pick. Um, again, I just think he's like a perfect fit worth for what they want to do, the way that their offense is going. Um, and it was great value for them. Brian Cook, safety out of Cincinnati, I think is a, a really exciting player for them. Um, so they've got now in, in the first two days, Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, and Brian Cook. Um, and then, by the way, and, and Solak, I'll pitch this to you, but they grabbed Leo Chanel with the 103rd pick, who is another guy who's like hyper athletic, like maybe the one of the best all around athletes in yeah. this class in this draft. Um, and so they're betting on their trade. So, so like, give me your give me your spiel on on Chanel because I love yeah. I know that you love him. If you gave me if you gave me a draft room and just let me like willy nilly pick the players that I liked and just kind of ignore everything, I would have gotten Brian Cook, Leo Chanel, and George Karloft is on my team in a heartbeat. That's three levels of defense that I <laughs> like. That. Uh, and, and all three of them now are here uh, on the Chiefs defense, which did need an infusion of talent. Uh, Chanel, right? We're talking about if you can draft a linebacker with size and athleticism, you are in a really interesting spot in terms of your development. 6'3", 250, can move and can jump. Uh, Chanel's a legit 
off-ball linebacker playing at old-school off-ball linebacker size. Really big deal because he's going to function for you on third down. He can fill zones. He can run with the tight ends up the seam. He has shown that he has done it previously. He can also blitz for you. And 250 hits different than 230, right? Like, N'Kobe Dean is a good blitzer. But 20 pounds of Leo Chanel matters when you're coming up that B-gap and the guard's ready for you, right? That length, that size is a difference. Um, And then playing at Wisconsin, man, uh, they ask a lot of their backers. You got to do a ton of work. Uh, mentally, Chanel's ready to play, man. He's ready to go. Uh, Spags is a complex defense, and he has shown in, in in the college levels that he is capable of handling a lot of responsibilities on any given play. So the, the, the fit is appropriate because one of the things about like Willie Gay, who was big, fast, explosive, could cover linebacker out of Mississippi State, second round pick a couple years ago, is that Gay made all the sense in the world for the Chiefs at the time. They just weren't able to get him on the field right away because it is a tough playbook to learn in Spag's defense. I don't think Chanel will have as big of a learning curve just by virtue of the defense that he played in. Uh, so really quality player. Should have gone earlier than uh, than a hundredth pick, right? A three-digit pick. I think he should have gone like top 75. Um, and then Brian Cook's just a, a, a roof safety, right? Yeah. You, there are only a couple in every single draft, only a couple still in the league. Um, but if you want to drop a guy single high right now for the Chiefs, Juan Thornhill can do it, but he has been inconsistent as much as I love Juan Thornhill. Brian Cook gives you another out. Leave Justin Reed in the box where he's at his best. So two really good picks on day two on the defensive side. Chiefs are Chiefs are drafting extremely well. They also have six more picks. <laughs> they right, came into the draft like a shitload yeah. of picks. Uh, the Ravens well, have four fourth round picks next week, man. If you want to, the Ravens can't keep getting away with this, brother. They're about to keep getting away with this <laughs> several times. Yeah, they're going to take all my favorite sleepers. Damn it. Yeah. Well, that just about does it. According to my research, I don't think anybody from Chattanooga was drafted today, unfortunately. <laughs> Who is? Was there anybody like super small schooly drafted? I don't think no so. noogies. No. <laughs> the nuga. <laughs> Nobody from the nuga, unfortunately. But um, all right. We'll be back. We'll be back tomorrow. Don't you fret. Wrap it up. Yeah. We'll be back to wrap it up. Go through rounds four through seven. Sleepers. Give a little a kind of recap of the entire uh, draft process. So yeah, thank you to Ben Solak. Thank you to Danny Kelly. Thank you to Ed Marinaro and that stage manager. <laughs> Hero. She needed just one of those big old timey hooks to just pull him off the big stage. Big pain. Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, hat just, the hat just stays in the one position like floating as he goes away. Right. You know? um, all right. And lastly, uh, thank you to our commissioner, Lauren Michaels. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Carlos. Yeah, I was say thank you, Carlos. Oh, and thank you, Carlos, producing yeah. the show. Miami yeah. fan, not a lot going on for him, but uh, he's happy. <laughs> he got Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good uh, gift, I guess. Uh, also, Men at Work. Uh, I want to throw it out to uh, the Australian band Men at Work because we nice. uh, had an Australian fella on the cave on Tibidows. <laughs> Tibidow, yeah. If I'm not you, even if you missed it, it was great. He he basically made fun of Craig for imitating. You the, know what uh, though? It's like I'd love to hear the three of you do it. Like I'm oh, I'm dude. the best at it, and I get you flamed. would not love. You would not. I was love to I was like one and a half episodes into this podcast, and you're like Ben Australian accent. I was like, we aren't at that place yet in our relationship. Well, I can just drop an Australian accent for you. Yeah. No warning. Get that judgment. Uh that's good. So men at work, I like it. Down yeah. under, good song. <laughs> not gonna try and sing the it. Classic. Though. Classic. Uh, all right. Uh, we will be back tomorrow.
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit Honda.com slash Prologue to learn more.